right. Good morning again. Good morning, morning. <laughs> it's uh, maybe a little bit of a sleepy, rainy fall morning. Good morning. <laughs> so uh, today is week two in our Genesis series. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you missed a big one. Uh, we did the creation story in chapter one, and if you did miss it, I really encourage you to go back and uh, listen to it online sometime this week, because it's a pretty foundational message for the series. Um, but because what we talked about uh, was very significant for setting the stage for the series, I'm just going to go over a little bit of it right now. Um, hopefully you remember if you were here that we talked about how uh, the Genesis 1 talks about creation in terms of six days, six days of creation. And we talked about how there's a parallel structure between days 1 through 3 and days 4 through 6. And we talked about how the whole story starts with a problem. The problem is the earth was formless and empty. We talked about how in days one through three, it describes God solving the problem of formlessness by creating forms, forms like day and night, uh, sky and sea, and dry land. And then in days four through six, you see God uh, solving the problem of the emptiness by filling the forms that he creates. And so uh, day one parallels day four. God fills on day four the form of day and night with sun, moon, and stars. Uh, on day five, he fills the form of sky and sea with birds and ocean creatures. And on day three, he fills the form of dry land with land creatures. All of this solving the problem of uh, formlessness and emptiness. And after all this, the story of creation closes in chapter two, verse one, with words that recall the very first verse in the Bible. Uh, Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed and all their vast array. So that's where we left off last week. Now, you may have assumed that today we would be moving into the next uh, part of the drama, Adam and Eve. Uh, but we're actually not going to do that yet. We're saving that for next week because there's something very important in between uh, the six days of creation and the story of Adam and Eve, and that is the seventh day. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to the second chapter of Genesis, starting in verse 2. Genesis 2, starting in verse 2. Uh, we have a very short passage this morning, but it's a very important and significant one. Uh, starting in verse 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now I want us to take a second to appreciate how weird this is. Uh, we already got the story of how the heavens and the earth were created, and we're ready for the next part of the drama. But before we get to talk about that, the story pauses, and it tells us that God rested. Why include that? Now, why include this unproductive seventh day? Well, uh, it's included for at least two very significant reasons. Probably more than that, but I'm going to focus on two this morning. Uh, so if you're taking notes, 
Uh, there's two spots in your outlines for this. Um, and I would suspect that at least one of these reasons will be unfamiliar to most of us. So we're going to start with that reason. Number one, the seventh day tells us that all of creation is God's temple. Now, this is something that is very easy for us to miss because we don't really think of things in terms of temples. Um, but in the ancient Near East and in many cultures throughout history, the, comp the concept of temple was something that was very, very important. And of course, it would be important to the Jews throughout the Old Testament. Um, a temple is a building that exists to be a place of rest for God. Uh, in the ancient Near East, these temples were built and then ceremonies were performed where they would invite their God to come and rest in the temple. So in those days, if you talked about a God resting, you weren't just talking about a God taking a nap. You were talking about a God coming and taking up residence somewhere. Um, to say that a God rested was to say that a God took up residence wherever he rested. And so when Genesis tells us that God rested, it's not just saying that God took a break, although it is saying that. But what it's also saying is that God made his home in the creation that he just put together, saying that the world is meant to be God's temple. It's pretty cool. Uh, now, if you're skeptical at all of this, I'd like to point you to another verse in Scripture that confirms this. This is from uh, Isaiah 66, uh, verses 1 through 2. It says, This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. In other words, in other words, God is saying, how can my true resting place be in a temple that a human building, a human being built? How does that make any sense? Um, because I'm the one who brought all of this into being. So where is my resting place? Well, it's not in a temple built by human hands, but it's in the entire creation. As he says, right, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool which is really the same thing that is being suggested when it says in the, that on the seventh day, God rested. All right, so that's cool, but why does it matter? Why does it matter? Um, well, it matters for a couple reasons. Reason number one is because it reminds us that God wants to live with us. That's the whole idea of a temple, right? Temple is where a God and this world connect. If you want to be in close relationship to a God, especially in the ancient Near East, what do you do? You go to the temple. And so if the true God has created this world to be his temple, and he created us to have a special place in that temple, then from the very start, part of the whole aim of God's creation project is to be in relationship with you and me. That's part of the whole purpose. You know, there's a, a common phrase that you hear a lot in contemporary Christ Christianity, and you hear it in places like this, which is that it's all about a relationship with God. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe at times you've wondered, is that actually true? Is that really what it's all about? 
And here in Genesis, that is being confirmed because we see that from the very beginning, God's aim, part of his whole aim and purpose for creation is to live with us for the dwelling place of, of God and humanity to be one and the same. A second reason why this matters, that all of creation is God's temple, is because it reminds us to treat creation with respect. Um, if this world is not only God's creation, but also, in a sense, his house, we should be taking good care of it, right? And that means caring about things like whether or not we're destroying the environment. It means making an effort to live in a way that sustains the health of creation. Uh, if you were here last week, hopefully you remember that we talked about when God creates human beings, he gives human beings power and authority. Um, and what I want us to think of when we think of that is um, God making us his house sitters. Um, now, if you are house sitting, you don't say, well, since I've been put in charge of this house, I can break the furniture and I can stain the carpet and at the end of my stay, I'll burn the whole thing down. Uh, of course not, right? If you are appointed house sitter, uh, you want to take care of the house, and you want, when the real owner comes back, uh, for them to find it looking as good as when they left it, if not better. And one of the reasons I bring this up is because, unfortunately, many people have understood God's uh, mandate for human beings to rule as a license to burn the house down. Uh, in Genesis 1, God says about human beings, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, uh, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And what some people have assumed is that this means that God is just fine with us doing whatever we want with all those things. Um, you know, if we want to kill animals just for fun, well, God's cool with that because he made us to rule. Uh, if we want to uh, pollute the air and cut down all the forests, well, that's our right. And, you know, God is just happy to see us exercising dominion. Rawr. <laughs> uh, but that is a complete misunderstanding of the spirit of Genesis, because Genesis tells us that God made this world, and he calls it good, right? He loves this world, and he has made it to be his beautiful dwelling place with us, and he has asked us to be house sitters in his temple. And, you know, you don't trash a temple just because you've been made overseer over it. You care for it. You treat it with respect because it's God's house. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm saying here. Uh, I'm not saying it's wrong for us to use the environment uh, I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to cut down trees and build cities and domesticate animals and all that stuff. Um, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we using the creation in a way that's actually sustainable? You, know, you can go into somebody's house when you're house-sitting, and you can turn on the water and drink it, and you can go into the cabinets and eat some of the food. But the question is, are you engaging with that house in a way so that 
when the owner comes back, it's still going to be in good shape. Right? So that's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we engaging with the creation in a way that treats it with the kind of respect that is going to make it so that it's sustainable uh, for generations to come? Or are we using it in a way that destroys the house? And if we are, how can we do our part to change that? So you don't really hear a lot about this sort of issue in church, but honestly, I think that things like recycling should be part of our discipleship. Uh, we should see that as part of obedience to God, that that is one way to practice honoring God is how we treat the temple of creation, his, his house, by house sitting well. When I was in high school, I remember I had a teacher who held up a picture of a lake with before and after pictures. And the before picture, it looked nice and blue and like the kind of place you would want to be and take pictures of and there was vegetation and it looked really nice. And then the after picture, this same lake was like neon green <laughs> and there was no vegetation around it. And my teacher held that up and said, you want to talk about sin? This is sin. And I don't know if I did it outwardly, but I know that internally I did an eye roll. Because I was thinking, oh, come on. There's lots more important sins than this. And I remember being a little frustrated because I thought that my teacher either didn't acknowledge that certain things were sins that I thought were really important, um, or, um, yeah, I, I, thought that, I thought that my teacher did not recognize other sins that were legitimate sins as sins, and I thought that those sins were more important. And so I just sort of thought, she's just focusing on the wrong thing. Um, now, reflecting on that moment now, I would say I may have been partly right in my judgment. I may have been partly right that my teacher neglected to recognize certain sins as significant and important. But that doesn't mean she wasn't right about that. <laughs> that doesn't mean that she was wrong, that treating the environment in a wasteful and reckless and, 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 and harmful way is sinful. And the reason I bring this up is just because I want to encourage us uh, not to have that attitude that I had when I was in high school. Um, we can agree with people about the importance of caring for the environment, even if we disagree with them about other stuff. Uh, some of us here might identify more with the conservative side of the political spectrum. I honestly don't know how our congregation breaks down in that respect. Um, but if we do, you know, I encourage us not to let the fact that environmental concern tends to have been associated more with the left side of the political spectrum lead us to, to think that we shouldn't care about it. Uh, you know, the Bible does not think of things in terms of 21st century American political categories. Sometimes we try to make it do that, and it really <laughs> doesn't do that. Uh, the Bible affirms and rejects values on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, so we need to be careful not to let political tribalism control how we respond to certain issues, like uh, environmental care. Uh, before we think as a Republican or a Democrat 
or conservative or a liberal, we need to think as a Christian, and we need to think biblically. And if we're thinking biblically, we need to remember that this creation is God's temple. And we are the overseers or house sitters in that temple, and that means we should care for it and treat it with respect. All right. The second reason why the seventh day is so significant is because the seventh day reminds us of the importance of weekly rest. When God rests on the seventh day, he's establishing a pattern for us. He's setting an example. Uh, We're told that God made the seventh day holy by resting from the work of creating. Now, what that word holy means is set apart. He made it special. He made it different from the other days. And the main way that he made it different is by ceasing from this activity of creating. And that means for us, as image bearers of God, people who are called to reflect what God is like, um, that we also should have a day set aside every week that is special, a day that is set apart, a day when we cease from our usual creative activity. And traditionally, that day has been called the Sabbath. Now, I, I want to clarify a little bit what I mean by cease from our usual creative activity. Usually, when we hear the word creative, we think of like making a painting or writing a song or something like that. So it sounds like maybe I'm saying, oh, you shouldn't do these hobbies that are creative on the Sabbath. It's not what I'm saying. When I say usual creative activity, <clears throat> I'm talking about our, our work, okay? Uh, it doesn't say that God ceased from all activity on the seventh day. It says that he specifically ceased from this activity of creating the world, as he had been on the other days. So we shouldn't see the Sabbath as a day where we, we can't do anything. Religious legalism led to this idea that the Sabbath is a day where you can't do anything at all. Um, but we should see the Sabbath as a day, a special day, when our usual work stops. Uh, we need at least one day a week where that kind of activity stops. Here's how I think we should think about the Sabbath. You know when you are on a bicycle and you're pedaling hard, there comes a point usually where you can just stop pedaling and coast. Okay, so the Sabbath is like that. The Sabbath is the time where we should just be able to coast. You did your pedaling during the week. Now let the bike carry you. Um, now, for some of us, it makes sense for the, the day we do that to be Sunday, today. Uh, others of us, maybe it makes more sense to think of Saturday that day. Uh, and for, for others of us, depending on our work schedules, it could be someday in the middle of the week. Uh, what's important is not which day we see as our Sabbath, but whether, whether or not we are practicing this routine of taking a day off. And the reason I bring that up is because there are uh, some uh, denominations that are very insistent, like, you really should be uh, celebrating the Sabbath on Saturday. You know, and others will say, no, 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 Sunday is, is the right day. And when you think about it, that whole debate is pretty ridiculous because, I mean, Saturday and Sunday, these are days that were named after Greek gods. You know, <laughs> like, those categories didn't, didn't exist, you know, when God 
created the world. Um, so don't get lost in those sorts of debates. You know, even if God had created Saturday, and he was like, Saturday is the Sabbath. You know, at this point now, today, we wouldn't even be sure if our Saturday lined up with what that Saturday was, you know? So don't worry about that stuff. (laughs) What you need to be concerned about is the principle of taking a day off. Now, I don't think I need to tell us all that we live in a go, 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 get things done culture, right? And employers often reward employees who just go, go, go. Uh, Employees who always answer their phones uh, no matter what time of day it is or what day it is. Uh, People always respond to their emails right away. Uh, People who come early and leave late. And so choosing to honor the Sabbath in our culture is a really hard thing for many of us to do. And for most of us, if we don't just actively choose to do it, we won't end up doing it. We have to actually make it an active decision. And I realize that because there's this cultural pressure not to do that, some of us might need a little extra incentive this morning to actually make that active choice to have a Sabbath. And so to finish this morning, I want to offer uh, three practical reasons to observe the Sabbath, some incentive. Here's, here's why we should do this. Um, you know, God established this pattern, and there's wisdom in it. And, and here, I think, is why. Uh, number one, we need rest to stay healthy and happy. This probably seems like an obvious point, but I just want us to think about the fact that it makes so much sense that it would be this way, okay? When we choose to just go, go, go without taking weekly rest, we are going to be in conflict with the very nature of reality. If you jump off a building and you think you're not going to fall, right, you're in conflict with the nature of reality. This is the way that things have been set up. Same thing with if we try to be happy and healthy without taking weekly time off. Um, We will be in conflict with the very nature of reality because God, from the very beginning, wove rest into the very fabric of creation. That's what we see on the seventh day. Uh, And when we try to resist the fact that that is the way things have been set up, we are going to have problems. It affects our health and it affects our happiness. And, you know, from a scientific perspective, that makes sense. Uh, because when we work, there is a certain amount of adrenaline that our bodies need to produce in order to get stuff done. Work and stress go hand in hand. Um, And when our bodies make adrenaline, our bodies can't focus or attend to other things that they do. So, uh, like our immune systems. Uh, Our immune systems get compromised when our bodies are constantly being flooded with adrenaline. Uh, And, of course, when our immune systems are compromised, we are susceptible to all kinds of health risks. One article I found from the Huffington Post last year says this, stress is taking a significant toll on our health, and the collective public health cost may be enormous. Occupational stress increases the risk of heart attack and diabetes, 
accelerates the aging process, decreases longevity, and contributes to depression and anxiety, among myriad other negative health outcomes. Overall, stress-related health problems account for up to 90% of hospital visits, many of them preventable. Your job is literally killing you, as the Washington Post puts it. Probably more than any other time in American history, employees are experiencing what's called burnout. And to put it in uh, technical terms, burnout is when your body gets so used to have chronically elevated adrenaline that it ceased to, ceases to function uh, normally. And one of the reasons that this is happening now is because technology has really blurred the lines between when we are at work and off work. Um, your work is always just a click away. Uh, so we never get a break because we carry our work with us in our pockets. And because of that, very few of us are ever really experiencing real Sabbath rest. And that's having consequences. So for some of us, guarding a weekly Sabbath time may mean turning off our phones for a day, or it may mean at least turning off email notifications or choosing not to look at our email. You know, we need to be, we need to be uh, intentional about doing whatever it takes to lower our adrenaline for at least a full day every week. A second reason, a uh, practical reason to observe the Sabbath, is because we need rest to stay creative. You know, usually think, okay, we need rest because we need to be healthy, we need to be happy, that makes sense. But do you ever think about how rest improves your work itself? It makes you uh, better when you're on. Uh, studies have shown that taking time off and actually boredom itself helps to generate creativity. Uh, in other words, if you want to come up with good ideas, you are better off like sitting in a boring room than you are on your smartphone. Um, because there's something about the lack of activity that causes your brain to wake up and start to produce ideas. You know, I've noticed that, maybe some of you have too, that some of my best creative ideas come to me when I'm bored or resting, um, when I'm not working. I, uh, I grew up going uh, to Maine for about a week every summer, and the house that I would go to uh, had no internet, no TV, and terrible cell phone reception. And Oftentimes, I would notice, especially in my 20s, that after a week there, I would have so many ideas for when I got home about stuff that I wanted to do, even if, even if I was creatively dry when I went there. There was something about the lack of activity, the lack of work, and even the boredom that helped inspire me. Um, I have also noticed, I mean, usually I'm the one preaching, but... <laughs> In the past, when I used to go to church and I wasn't the one talking, I would often notice that I'd come up with creative ideas during the sermon. <laughs> My mind sometimes would drift off. I know none of you ever have that happen here. but And, and some of my best ideas would come to me in that place of rest. Um, and if that happens to you, that's great. <laughs> um, 
So uh, we, if we want to get new ideas, if we want to stay motivated in our work, we want to be creative, we need rest. And then the last reason is because we need to model rest for the health of our society as a whole. Uh, you might think, I don't really need to take a day off every week. I like my work. I don't feel that stressed. I'm fine. If that's your attitude, I would encourage you not just to think about yourself, but to think about everyone else, too. Um, maybe you feel like you can work nonstop, go, 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 and you'll be fine. Well, first of all, I think you're wrong, because <laughs> if you think that, you're coming in, con in conflict with the very nature of reality. But let's just say, for, take it for granted and say you're right. Even if you're right, you have to recognize most people cannot do that. And if you work all the time without stopping, you make it harder for the rest of us to stop. You know, we have to always think about not how our actions just affect us as individuals, but how they affect the community at large. Um, because we are social beings, and everything that we do affects everybody else to some extent. Um, you know, if half the people at the company answer emails right after they're sent, even on the weekend, then those of us who are trying to be intentional about taking a day off feel like, I have to do the same thing in order to compete, you know, in order to keep up. And then we feel this pressure to ignore our need for rest. So what we need for the health of all of us is for people who will just put their feet down and say, you know what, whether I feel like it or not, whether the people around me are doing it or not, I am going to honor the reality that weekly rest is important for my health and the health of all of us and I'm not going to work one day a week. And I think the more that we say that, the more it becomes a part of the culture that we live in, uh, and the healthier we all are. So I encourage us to be the ones who, who put our feet down, even when it's hard. And I want to close by acknowledging this is all, <laughs> this is all easy, easier in theory than in practice. Uh, I realize that for many of us, it is scary to practice the Sabbath. I realize that um, we, we may feel like we, we put our livelihoods at risk when we try to take a full day off every week. But let's remember that if everybody thinks that way, then the problem gets worse. And more and more people experience burnout. And more and more people's health and happiness are affected. You know, maybe, maybe we just need to realize that one of the best ways that we can exercise trust in God is just by taking a day off. And when you think about that, that's pretty great. <laughs> you know, because normally we think about exercising trust in God as doing things that are super hard, right? It's getting way out of our comfort zone. But how can we expect that we can actually do those things if we can't exercise trust in God just to take it easy for a day, right? Um, sometimes trusting God does mean stepping out and doing something really hard, but sometimes it means just being willing to take a day off and trust that God is going to pick up the slack.
So my exhortation to us this morning is to embrace this gift that God wants to give us, the gift of rest, the gift of the seventh day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who does not expect us to just go, 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 and never cease from productivity. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that values balance in our lives. Um, we thank you that you have designed us both for work and for rest. And I pray that uh, you would be with us as we try to take steps to guard and protect uh, that, that rest in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you created this world and created it good. We thank you that you created it so that you could dwell with us. And uh, Father, I pray that we would respect this creation that you have made. And I pray that we would sense your, pre your presence with us as we live in it every day. In Jesus' name, amen.